welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, my, my name is Pastor Josh, and I don't get to speak that often, but I always really look forward to it. And I've been looking forward to today. Um, I don't know if looking forward is, well, technically it's true, because it's, you know, it's been ahead for a while, I've been looking ahead to it. Um, but I've been kind of feeling, um, uh, I'm sure you guys can understand, if you've ever been in a position where you're kind of like caught like flat-footed, or like something happens, you're not quite ready for it, and like in that, that sensation, like in that moment, it's like kind of feeling very like exposed in a way, like you're not, you're not ready to, to like handle whatever's coming at you. Um, that's like a really uncomfortable place to be, and, but it's also super common. Like a lot of us experience that all the time. And so I sort of have this like language for myself. Um, uh, I hate being the center of attention, but I love being the center of attention at the same time. And so sometimes what ends up happening is like, I will yeah, make jokes in order to, I, you guys probably, people who know me probably are surprised to hear this. I, I kind of use humor to deflect. Uh, and um, I have a whole bunch of different tools that I use to like make myself kind of feel comfortable uh, in that moment of exposure. And so um, one of the things that I've really seen God doing in my life is, um, I don't think this is what he does for, I don't think he says this to everyone, but one of the ways he says to me is that when I'm in that mode of exposure, everything I want to do is like, I want to protect myself or like, I want to numb, like comfort, like try to, you know, make that feeling go away. Um, or sometimes I will try to do something to, you know, I, like approve my acceptability in that moment. Um, and one thing that I've been learning, I think this is something I've definitely learned within the context of New Life Fellowship and the community that we have, in a community of grace, uh, in a community where you know, we say that, you know, that our love for one another is an outflow of the love that Jesus has for us. And testing that and kind of gambling on that is really good to do. It's good to encourage other people to do it. And I encourage people to test and be vulnerable all the time. But then when you actually, when I feel it, it's like so hard to, um, so hard to let people know how like off I feel inside. And so I don't know if some people might, might remember, um, this goes back close to like a few years back, I showed up to church in a bathrobe. It's kind of like, this is my symbol. This is like my symbol of like, if I wear the bathrobe, people can tell something's not right with that guy right now. <laughs> like be gentle. And then the summer came and I was like, it's too hot for a bathrobe. So if you see me wearing slippers uh, at church on Sunday, that's like, okay, Josh is feeling off. And, and so maybe I don't talk to him or maybe I do talk to him, but like he's letting you know, like, hey, I'm feeling this way. And um, it's again, that's not a wall. Like that's not what that's supposed to be. Um, that's, and that's not what we're supposed to do. When I say supposed to, I feel like you guys understand what I mean. Like the healthy way of responding to that like off kilter feeling is not protecting. It's not, oh yeah, no, I'm doing fine. Oh yeah, I'm fine. Or like making a joke or like, those are all, those are all tools that I use extremely well. Um, but what God's showing me is that as I kind of 
lean into the exposure that I feel as I invite people into that, then there's something disarming about that and that I've seen. And so today, I've, I'm definitely kind of living in that spot. And one of the things I want to talk about today is, is another person who's living in that spot um, in Scripture. And so, um, as you guys might know, we've kind of made some adjustments in terms of how we do things as far as like with, with the scriptures that you'll be referencing in a talk. And so rather than having all the verses like verse by verse up on the screen, there's going to be a slide that's just going to show uh, various scriptures that I may or may not reference. So people in the back, you have to pay attention, Jim. I know it's a tough, but uh... so yeah, so I'm, yeah, see, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Any one of those things, it could be anyone, who knows? It's like a choose your own adventure, basically. Like to... Except I get to choose. I get to keep control. <laughs> so, um, so there's also something else that's going to be a little bit different about this morning is um, I've felt that one of the things that God was inviting me to is that to actually have a Q&A at the end of the talk today. So um, the sharing part is going to be a little bit shorter, but if you have a question um, about something that you hear, either it could be like literally anything. If it's like about you know a story that I tell, you want to hear more information about it, or if like hey this verse doesn't make sense to me or whatever, then what I would encourage you to do is <clears throat> you have my permission to go on your phones and go to the Facebook stream and put your comment in the, the in the put your question in the comments of the Facebook stream for today. And so this is a really smooth segue to welcome the online people. I know there's a, a bunch of people from further away who haven't been able to make it in because of the various winter activities. So I want to say welcome to you all, and I really would love it if, if you have questions, throw them in the chat uh, beneath uh, the live stream of the Facebook video. And I'm going to have uh, my great friend and uh, Pastor Greg is going to come up towards the end, and he'll kind of be facilitating some of those questions. And um, if there's too many questions we can't get through them all, then I will say I will go into the chat at the end or sometime later, and I'll do my best to respond to everybody who, has, who puts a question in there. So, um, so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and sort of just acknowledge that God's here, uh, and then we're going to dive in. So, Father, you are a good Father, and we've been able to hear and experience your goodness um, in our lives. Um, and also, like, just the, the song choices today were just so perfect. And thank you, sir, how your spirit has been moving independently between in my heart and Peter and the worship team. And, and just the, the parallels that I, have kind of, that I can see are just really stunning and beautiful. And so thank you for that. That's a, um, it's, it's assuring to know that you are always uh, active behind the scenes. And so we thank you for that. And we invite you and we kind of like welcome, acknowledge that you're here with us and we're just, we're just so thrilled and excited to, to do this together with you. So, amen. So um, we're going to be spending a bit of time in Mark 5. And uh, Mark 5, we're going to be starting at verse 21. Um, and I'll get there in a second, but what, um, so give you time to pull up and your, open your Bibles or your Bible app or whatever, if you've got your Bible with you, that's an extra five Jesus points. Um, that, I know, I know we, you know, there's nothing we can earn. We can't earn our salvation, but if you get Jesus points, it's like your crown's a little bit shinier. So my goal, my heart is like, I just hope my, I hope my, my crown is as big and shiny as John Buchan's. Cause like, that's gonna... <laughs> 
No, I know. I know. <laughs> I love you too, buddy. I love you too. Um, before I get into that, though, I want to share something. I want to share um, something that's kind of been going on in my life in the last, last year. Um, I was born in 1985, um, and I was a, you know, the, the, my dad was one of the leaders of the church, and there was another, another church family, um, the Balfour family. Some of you guys might know John and Greg, and um, a couple of twins that are a part of New Life Fellowship, and so they're, they're uh, several years older than me. So we weren't really in the same sphere and circles, um, the two of them and me, as I, we were growing up, but they had a younger brother named Pete. And so Pete was just a year older than me, um, and I, fairly early on, I kind of recognized there's something a little bit different about Pete, and I couldn't really put my finger on it. As I grew older, I kind of was aware, like, Pete had some developmental delay. Um, and so, as a result, the school that we went into, Pete and I were actually in the same grade for a while. Um, and I think it was maybe like 10, 10 years old, maybe, um, maybe a little bit younger than that. And I remember praying as a family, praying for Pete, and uh, praying as a church for Pete. I, it was too much, I didn't really understand what was going on, but looking back, I can see that there were concerns about Pete's like, um, physical development in terms of like, he just didn't see me growing. And they discovered that Pete had Crohn's. Um, and I didn't understand what was going on, but I have like, such clear memories of meeting, and like, like going to visit Pete in the hospital. And I can still, like in my mind, I can close my eyes, I can still see like the cards <laughs> that I would write for him. And, um, and it's just such a, like a, such a vivid, I don't know, it's one of those things, like, I don't really know exactly why it sunk so deep into my heart, but it did. Um, and then I, in high school, I started playing bass guitar, I just loved playing the bass guitar. Um, and Pete loved playing drums. And so we'd be on the church worship team together. And so I always enjoyed playing with Pete. He just, just would get into it, it was just so awesome. Every once in a while, Sarah and I would go, you know, and visit uh, Luke and Margaret, Pete's mom and dad, and we, you know, our kids would be there, and I'd hear Pete wailing away on the drums in the basement. It's always made me happy, you know? Um, and then um, last year, um, there were some concerns about, uh, and Pete ended up having to, to have uh, an operation. And as a result of complications of that, he ended up um, going to a coma. Um, Um, and it's weird because like I feel so much emotion around it and when I look back on my life I'm like, I had like friends that were way closer to me than Pete um, but after after everything happened and um, you know there's you know we're praying for him and like we still are as a, as a family and like as a, and as a church family and um, like he's still you know he's in the hospital and he's, he's still still asleep um, and, you know, I know that like members of the Balfour family are there, but, like, he's, he's never alone, he's always got someone there who's like reading or let's play music or whatever for him. And when that first happened, I just, I could feel there's something inside. I was like, I don't understand what's, what's happening here. And um, right around the time was like when the New Life Collective, which is uh, kind of a songwriting and song publishing sort of endeavor that New Life Fellowship we've kind of started. Um, and I just was like, I just wanted to kind of explore these feelings that was happening. I was like, I'm gonna, I, I want to write a song. Um, and so with uh, my friend Joy, Pastor, Pastor Ross's wife, the two of us got together and we wrote a song. Um, and I, I might read the lyrics later on, but in the process of like digging into that, in the process of exploring my feelings, like some really deep emotions um, came up. 
And now, like, that's why I'm feeling emotional now, too, is because it's like through the, the practice of, like, exploring art and, like, pushing into that, uh, it kind of, like, unearthed something. And it was difficult because... And this is the thing that, something I think that probably all of us can identify with in the sense that when there's really difficult experiences in our life, um, it can be, and there's difficult feelings and difficult emotions, and like these heavy sensations that we kind of walk through and live in. Um, it can be very all-consuming. Um, it's kind of like, I imagine you know, Buzz Lightyear, and he's got, you know, his... John, don't laugh. It's going to make sense in a second. Just hang in with me, man. I mean... So he has like the, that uh, transparent you know, helmet, the glow kind of snaps forward. It's kind of like I have one of those in my head, like over me, and I don't see it because it's clear, but then something happens and my emotions spike. I know not everybody's emotion, like, has emotions that are as maybe big uh, as mine are. Um, I know some of us do. Like, all of us have, like, different sort of, like, dial, emotional dials are turned different places, right? And that's, that's how God made us. But for me, it's like someone just threw buckets of paint on the inside of this dome, and it colors everything I see. And if there's, if I'm feeling discouraged, like, everything looks bad. And if I'm feeling stressed out, like, everything is tinged by that, the color of that stress and that anxiety. And I was really feeling that, um, especially through the process of, of writing the song, um, and part of me desperately wanted to try to shove the feelings away um, because difficult feelings are hard and they're heavy and they just drag me down. Um, and what I want to say is that those emotions that we experience and those heavy, those, those heavy things there's an invitation to each one of them. For me, it kind of turned into a tug of war, except it's like a reverse tug of war, except like trying to like escape them. <laughs> We're trying, like, trying to get, like trying to avoid them anyhow. So I'm like, the whole thing about being vulnerable, like I'm like, okay, I want to like protect myself from these terrible emotions or these heavy emotions. I want to like comfort myself, make myself feel better or like, but what I've learned and what God's been showing me this past year through what's been happening with Pete is that if I just sit in the emotions, then after a while, questions start to bubble up. And these are like questions from like shadowy corners of my heart. Um, and boy, it is not fun. It's not fun to go there. Um, but what I'm discovering is that in those moments of, of fear, of shame, um, of moments of, like, of anxiety, like if I allow the questions to bubble up from this, like, these deep corners of my heart where I don't like to go because it's uncomfortable and the questions scare me, like... I remember um, thinking, like, are you God? Are you the kind of God who, who will do that to Pete? Like, like, he had, like, his whole life has been a struggle. And now he's just, like, asleep until who knows when. It's like, is that what you would do to someone like that? Like, I, I love Pete. And, like, is, do you, are you the kind of God who does that? Um, and then um, I know in the last, uh, last month or so, like, my mom's been diagnosed with cancer. And they caught it early, and it's a very slow-growing cancer, and she's been public about it and whatnot. But, boy, talk about questions that bubble up there. And it's like, I'm kind of faced with reality. Like, God, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel just. Like, why is this happening? And these questions don't really, they don't really come up unless you let them. 
And what I'm finding and what I'm experiencing, I'm still in the process of experiencing, as you can probably tell, is that it's in those places where Jesus becomes actually real. He becomes actually... Like, you know, love is in the room. Like, when Jesus is in the room, like, dead, dead come to life. And we sing about that, and it means something. You know, on a, on a, it's like, boy, those words sound great. Like, it's cool. But as soon as you start to struggle, and you start to choose to let those big, heavy, painful questions come up, like, that's... And you let yourself go there, that's Jesus in the room. Like, that's what it means to let Jesus in the room. And I've spent the last year just, like, pouring through uh, my feelings and, and like pouring through scripture and, and journaling. And God has spoken some like incredibly beautiful, sacred things to me that are for me and they're specific to me. Um, and through the pain and through the confusion and the frustration of, of things that's you know, going on with Pete, and it's like I'm experiencing what it means to be loved by Jesus. And you... you you can't experience that depth unless you're willing to go to those really shadowy corners and let those scary questions bubble up. And so in Mark 5, it's a, it's a powerful story of, of a man who had a daughter who was dying. Um, and I'm going to read the whole thing. I'll probably stop like, and kind of make some comments uh, as we're going, but... Um, we're going to pick up at verse 21. When Jesus, I'm probably going to cry a lot more. <laughs> when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered, and so he stayed by the seashore. So Jesus has just done a really dramatic miracle on one side of the Sea of Galilee. He cast demons out of this man, and this is like a really dramatic, like, I love this story as a kid. It was just so, like, demons leaving a man and saying, like, Lord, don't send us to hell. It's like, send us into the pigs. And God's like, and Jesus like, yes, go. And then he, anyways, you can just back up in verse, uh, chapter five. You can read for yourself. Anyway, really powerful miracle. Words traveling around who Jesus was, what he can do. Um, and there's a huge crowd of people waiting for Jesus on the other side when he comes into land. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus, that's who we're going to be talking about today, uh, came up and on seeing Jesus fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come, lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And Jesus went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing in around him. And a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years, a blood disease of some kind for 12 years, who endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but only had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him, behind Jesus, and touched his cloak. And she thought, if I could just touch Jesus' garments, I will get well. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in this crowd that was pressing in on him, saying, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, right? And you're saying, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this, and the woman, fearing, trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Go in peace, be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was spoken, said to the synagogue official, said to Jairus, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but it's asleep. And they began laughing at him, but putting them all out. And actually, the, the root uh, word in the, the, the original manuscripts in the Greek, uh, I don't remember off the top of its mind, but like that word is often used to have like a sense of like uh, violence or hostility from time to time. So uh, in some ways, like for sure, like at, at the very least, this word is, is communicating that Jesus was very stern and sent people out. Um, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talithakum, which translated means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. My daughter Vienna is, is going to be 12 in a couple months. And immediately they were completely astonished. He gave him strict orders. No one should know about this. And he said that some, something should be given her to eat. This story strikes me on an incredibly deep level. Uh, and it's a very special story for, for when you're willing to go to those dark places. I'm imagining being Jairus and like hearing about this teacher who can do amazing, powerful things and waiting for Jesus to come and seeing the crowd, like just watching Jesus arrive and just like, and knowing that everybody around is wanting something from Jesus too and thinking, am I going to have a shot at even getting to Jesus? And, like, and then there's the, the crowd pressing in around and Jesus arrives and like Jairus has to fight through to get to Jesus. And like in my own life, like there's just emotions that are crashing around me and there's competing uh, voices and competing influences that are that like, you know, telling me that, oh, trusting Jesus is dumb right now. Or yes, Jesus is gonna do things, but maybe not that thing. You have to, it's like, sometimes it feels like you have to just fight through just to be able, able to like to say something to him. And then Jairus is like, and then Jesus says, yes, I'll come, I'll come. And like, just imagine like the, the, the hope that would just surge within him. And then he starts going and Jesus is moving and people are moving around him. And then suddenly Jesus stops and is like looking around. I'm like, who touched me? Like, I'm thinking, if I'm Jairus, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, honestly, like, and then Jesus stops and he starts talking to another woman and he watches this woman receive an incredible miraculous healing. Like, have you ever had that where you're struggling with something and it's weighing you down and there's like this terror brewing at the back of your mind and then you're watching other people get what they're asking for and you're not, you're like, what's happening? And then in that very moment, men from Jairus' house come and say, it's too late. Story's over. She's dead. And Jesus responds, he overhears. And it says he overhears, you know, um, oh, this is definitely chapter four. <laughs> uh, he overhears, it says, this is, um, someone can shout out, 35, verse 35, there's 36. Jesus, overhearing what was spoken, said to Jairus, do not be afraid anymore, only believe. Like, how close would Jairus and Jesus have to have been if there's a crowd and there's like a healing that's just happened and people are astonished and amazed and there's chatter and there's whisper and there's conversations 
Like, how close would Jairus have actually had to be to Jesus? Like, I'm imagining pretty close. And then Jesus hears it, and he says, don't be afraid, only believe. He doesn't say, don't worry, I'm going to heal her. Don't worry, it's fine, don't worry, it's going to be fine. He's like, don't worry, only believe. That same hope that you had that drove you to me, hold on to that. Don't let go of it. And then we see the rest of the story. Jesus goes to the house. He, he, he casts everyone out of the house. And he says, she's asleep. Like Jesus looked at the scene and he saw the exact same things that Jairus saw. He saw the exact same things that Jairus' wife saw. He saw the exact same statistics and details and data. He had the same information for like from what he could see as everybody else. But he could also see there's life here. And that's what Jesus is offering for each one of us. Is in those moments of uh, deep uh, pain and those moments of anguish and those heavy questions come up and bubble, are bubbling up to the surface. When we choose to take those questions and embrace them and then choose to put them in and direct them at a loving, caring father, like he is able to speak to us in a way that's incredible. And suddenly a situation that feels like death is transformed is transformed. I'm going to read the lyrics to this song because it's a very special thing for me. Um, and then, Greg, if you want to come on up. Um, I think there's a handheld mic somewhere around. I have prayed for this to work out better. I had hoped a miracle would land. I wonder if your promises might not apply to me. It's hard to trust when I can't see your plan. Do you hear? Or are my words just going nowhere? I'm alone and I'm struggling to stand. I've been waiting patiently, but nothing seems to change. All I can do is lift my empty hands. As my horizon disappears behind the coming storm, I lift my eyes to a God I cannot see. This agony of faith takes everything in me, but I hear your voice say, I am all you need. You are faithful, though the mountains tremble, you are loyal. Your words are always true. You are stronger. Though the darkness deepens, you are perfect. Your love can never lose. I might not know what redemption looks like. I might not know how this chapter ends. But my hope is in the one who holds my heart within his hands. My hope is in the one who sits with me until I can walk again. So if you have questions, if you have um, something that you would like God to speak to you about, um, throw them in the chat and yeah. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. All right. We do have a question. Uh, this is from Andre Morissette, who's watching in Ottawa. Uh, she says, my question is, it may be good at times to sit with feelings and seek answers from God, but there are times when God does not answer and you just have to accept not having answers. Do you always let the questions up or do you wait for God to lead you there? That's a great question. Um, what I'll say is that, speaking just from my own experience, Andre, um, the questions bubble up and then I ask these questions of God, and I know that these are the questions he answers. 
Now, I always had this misconception as a kid that praying was like, you know, a face-to-face conversation. Where, and it is to an effect, but you know, if, if I'm meeting with Kim and we're talking about kids and I ask you a question, you just sit there staring at me and there's no response, it's like, okay, this isn't a conversation here. <laughs> but the thing is that sometimes that's kind of what it feels like with God is where we ask a question and we don't hear anything back. It feels like there's like the words are hitting the ceiling. But God's conversations with us span time and what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing is that sometimes there's stuff going on beneath the surface that's not quite ready to emerge yet. And I sat with really heavy, painful questions for like eight or nine months. And then it was just that a faithful day in Starbucks on Hespler Road. I don't know if you guys have ever had the, the experience of crying deeply in the corner of a Starbucks before. I recommend it and don't recommend it. Um, the other thing that comes to my mind is, is the importance of community and expressing, having a safe place where you can express those deep, heavy questions. And like, that's why I love the beauty of New Life Fellowship is it's a place where I can share those questions with you um, or with any one of us and God can speak to us through other people. Um, and so it's asking the question and it's not, and, the, and you can ask the question with an assumption that God's heard and he's not ignoring me but there's stuff going on behind the surface and at the right time, like, you know, there's a verse in Proverbs that says a word aptly spoken is like an apple of gold in a setting of silver. Uh, that second half is like, I can imagine that's a really great, I've never seen an apple of gold in settings of silver, but it sounds like something that's beautiful and perfect. And sometimes things are happening inside of our hearts and God's gonna be ready to give us exactly what we need to hear, but it takes time. Um, the other thing that comes to my mind is, as I'm thinking about this is that sometimes we go through our whole lives and don't see a change. And one thing I firmly believe is that um, everything is going to be made right. Everything will be made right in your life. But sometimes it doesn't happen until you step into, into glory. And there's some questions that we carry that we're going to carry our whole lives. And, and I wish I, could an- I wish I could answer your- all of those deep, heavy questions for you, but the life of faith is a cho- life of choosing to trust Jesus. Um, Jesus said, like, you know, fear to Jairus, fear not, uh, just believe, and then they kept going. Like, how long was that walk? What crazy emotions were going through Jairus' mind and, and his heart? I don't know. I can't imagine it was a comfortable thing. And so if you're kind of stuck on that spot where you're asking the heavy questions, it's like, just keep walking with Jesus. Just keep walking with Jesus. Um, and I promise you, I promise you, the questions will be answered uh, at some point. And it might, be, um, it, might, it might be in heaven, but the question comes. Part of me is like, which kind of makes me a little bit mad. It's like, will the question matter at that point? Which kind of is like, oh, I want the answer. But like, anyway. <laughs> um. Is there, if you don't mind my asking, digging a little deep into here, you you talk about you wrestling with these heavy questions. Mm -hmm. Is there one in particular that stands out that you'd be willing to share with us that you were wrestling with? And then the follow-up question to that would, what did did God say to you? Um, One of the things about the the situation with Pete that I've come to realize is that um, the question of, are you the kind of God who would do this to Pete? was actually not quite the right question. Like the question behind that was, are you the kind of God who would do this to me? And 
Job was one of the verses that I thought maybe we wouldn't get to. Um, the story of Job, um, this wealthy guy has got his life together, and God baits Satan into testing Job, and he loses everything, everything. Um, like, I remember reading that as a small child, and there's something about that that struck vivid fear into my heart at a very young age, and that's never gone away. That fear has been way below the surface. And as I was really starting to process a lot of this stuff with Pete, I had a moment, I was actually talking with Greg and Sheila Balford about this, and Sheila has this way of asking these questions. Just, <laughs> I highly recommend it. I don't, but I do, 100%. Um, just Sheila, I recommend Sheila. It's just, anyways, whatever. And this image popped in my mind of my life and everything valuable, everything that I deeply cared about. It was on like this platform. I kind of looked over and I saw God. I can't describe what he looked like, but I just saw God kind of standing there with his arm on something, and it was a lever. And I could see that my life was just on this platform. And God just had to nudge his elbow a little bit, and everything's gone. And so that was a fear, and that is a fear that's been extremely active in my heart. And there were things that God spoke to me um, that I can actually, I'm willing to share. Um, Um, he said, my boy, I feel your fear and insecurity and vulnerability, and it's special to me. It's sacred. I don't gamble with your heart. I don't gamble with your family. I hold you, and I cradle you. I'm not pushing you to the center of the table with the rest of my chips. You aren't a pot to win or lose. You're an intricate, delicate piece of art, completely unique, one of my favorites, and my collection of pieces is vast. Anyways, uh, the other thing that he said specifically about Job was like, here's what's different between you and Job. Job had to wait 38 chapters for me to arrive on the scene. But you and I are together from the very first moment. Um, and like, there's all these Old Testament characters that I just I love, like David and Joshua and Daniel, and, and all of them, they would, they would seek God and they'd have to wait for a response. They'd have to go through a religious ritual for God to hear them but I have him in my heart from this very moment. And I've, the thing that has really just taken the edge off of that, that, that pain and that fear is um, the truth and the reality that I have Jesus in me um, and I have God with me from day one. And also that when the time comes, when my Job experience hits me, like I will not be alone. I will have him with me. And I also have a choice. I'll have a choice. I'll be, I'll be able to choose to trust myself or I'll be able to choose to lean in to Jesus and get all that I need from him. Um, and there's just something that's, again, it's like when Jesus speaks to you in a special way, sometimes it doesn't quite translate to other people. <laughs> and, and so the words might not be like convincing to you, but it is to me in a special, special way. So, yeah. Thanks, Josh. Ian's trying to stump you. He's got a question for you. <laughs> Why did Jesus tell the former demon-possessed guy? I don't know how to say that word. How do you say that word? Demoniac. demoniac? Um, why did Jesus tell the former demoniac <laughs> to proclaim what God has done, but then tell Jairus uh, and others not to speak of the girl being healed? Any thoughts on that? Um, well, I think that that is a terrible question. Um, <laughs> Who can presume to know the mind of our Lord and Savior, Ian? 
I was just stalling for time. Uh, <laughs> no, I, well, actually what pops my mind right away, and this is just, this is just my, my quick response, is like, Jesus doesn't have a one-size-fits-all template. Like, how many, like, sometimes I wish I had the guts to, like, spit in the dirt and mix it into mud and smear it on my own eyes. So maybe, like, my, like, if I, I can't see, like, this is where my, my, my vision comes clear. Like, I'm, I'm a blind man. I'm, bar, I'm blind Bartimaeus in the, old, in the New Testament, okay? <laughs> but he doesn't, he doesn't do things the same, the same way. And I, like, I have that question, too. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, but all I, can, all I can offer in terms of my own thoughts is, like, he doesn't do things the same way. And I think also different people have different callings. Um, I think some people just, they minister in different ways. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's something heretical in what I just said, but. Uh, Peter Watt is asking, what are we to learn from Jesus sternly removing the crowd from the home of Jairus? Well, the thought that comes to my mind as, as I think about that question is, if I, if I think about the, the song we sang, but when, like, when love is in the room, uh, like when Jesus is in the room, and there is a, a power that Jesus has to banish other things and to bring clarity to the challenge, to bring clarity to the problem. And so when I think about all the people crushing in around Jesus as he's on his way to the, um, to the house, and there's all these people mourning and, like, and weeping and wailing and then laughing at what like, Jesus is saying, and like, he cleared the room, he cleared, he's like, no, like, I want the issue to be the issue. And he's like, and all the competing voices, I want them to be on the outside. And I have no doubt that you could still hear the people laughing. You could still hear the people like, you know, jeering or, you know, uh, or, or weeping and wailing and overcome with their grief, but it's kind of muted. And like when we choose to engage those heavy questions, there's something that happens, like it kind of starts to crystallize over time. And that's what I've experienced. And so when I read, when I read that, it kind of like it speaks to me about that. That's awesome. Really cool picture. Actually. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Yeah. Um, Sue Summer. Uh, we often come to him in prayer and trusting that he will do what we think is best, answer our prayer our way. Uh, but trusting him for what we want and trusting him for who he is and how he'll act is very different, is it not? Mm-hmm. Something that kind of strikes me is like there is another person who came to Jesus whose daughter was sick. Oh, no, it wasn't daughter. I think it was his, his like a beloved servant. It's like a centurion. Um, some with fast fingers on the internet can probably find this, the actual passage where that is. But um, it's just the centurion comes to Jesus and he says, you know, this person I love is sick. Like, um, will, you, will you heal them? And Jesus says, yes, I'll, I'll come to your house, no problem. And he's like, no, no, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word and I know that she'll be healed or he'll be healed. And I think about like how Jesus, all he had to do is like, yep, they're healed. And it was done. But with Jairus, he didn't do that. He's like, no, I have a journey for you. I have a journey of faith. I have a journey of an agony of faith for you. And we're going to walk together, but I promise you, you're never going to forget these next however long you're spending with me. And you're never going to forget that because there's like an intimacy in terms of, like of choosing to share your anguish with Jesus. Because we, we know he's with us. But it's like when you choose to go to the heavy places and you choose to direct those questions honestly towards God, 
it's, you're able to experience the closeness, you're able to experience the kinship. Um, and sometimes that's what happens after, but I mean, I think about, like, I mean, I can remember my, my little guy, Thorin, having a, having a, a febrile, febrile seizure, and, you know, I'll never forget that. Like, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget calling 911. That was just, I'm like, I'm just, Jairus will never forget, like, he never forgot that, that journey. Um, and, yeah. So, yeah, Sue, very insightful. Great. Well, we're pretty much out of time. Did any? I don't see any other questions. If, if you have posted a question, it may if, just not have. If you want to throw your hand up, also, I'm okay with that so as well. Maybe time for one more. Yeah. Um, if not, feel free to add questions after the fact. Yeah. Josh is going to go back and look over comments. There have been just some comments. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyone yeah. wants to throw their hand up? Otherwise, we'll just. John. Oh. So John's question was, do you think that the journey is to increase the intimacy? Oh, yeah, 100%. So I said that for the people online. It's not that yeah. he, we couldn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Because like, oh, what does God want? Like, what's his end game? Like, his, like why did he make us? Like, why are we? It's, it's because he, des he desires that closeness. And one of the other things that I've struggled with a lot was, like, our, like, the question, are you the kind of God who would do that to me? You know, what, you know, fill in the blank of like whatever the, the fear that you have is. Are you that kind of God who would do that to me? Actually, I, was, I remember writing it down. It's like, are you the kind of God who would kill Sarah? And like, I, I could hardly even let myself write the words. Um, and I don't really feel like I want to share the th exact things he said to me about that specifically. It's, um, but the response that I felt, like a big part of it, was, was him saying... I'm not the one who does it, but I, this is, a, this is again, a really kind of a, but I see it and I look at it and I look at what the damage that could do, but I also can see that if used exactly perfectly, this pain can actually be my scalpel. And I ever had this image of my, like, lying on a, uh, I can remember getting tubes in my ears when I was a little kid, and for whatever reason, I remember like my shirt was off and I was laying on this like gurney. Maybe it wasn't a gurney, whatever. It's like I could feel how cold it was in my back, and like this image of like me laying up and looking up and seeing God over my head with a scalpel. And I'm like just trying to like get away, and and just this, the realization is like the more that I struggle and the more that I resist, like the more the collateral damage. And like if I choose to just like to submit and I choose to like call myself by like try like by bringing Jesus into the moment when I choose to do that then the surgery can happen and so absolutely Jesus like things come into our life Psalm 91 it talks all about how like you're a hedge of protection around me and like nothing gets to me without that unless that you have decided it's good it, it's actually can be used for my good and so I used to think with that, I was like, yes, I'm praying that, I'm claiming that, but like, that wasn't something we're supposed to claim. Like, if you're a believer in Jesus, that's just true about you, which means that the things that come into your life, like, God has an intention for your heart, and he wants to reveal himself to you in a very special way. And because there's, there's something about the experience of suffering and the, and the experience of pain that when 
when Jesus meets you there, there's an intimacy and there's a trust that can grow and he's willing to earn your trust in those places and you cannot get that level of intimacy with Jesus any other way. So, and then the last comment I'll make on that is my big feelings, like the paint splattering the inside of my fishbowl or whatever's on my head, it's like, it's, this, my experiences, my emotions, my sensations feel overwhelming sometimes. But if you remember the illustration that Pastor Ross used, like, you know, a rope that runs off the stage, and like that very, just that first inch, that's our life on this earth. And it, you know, I look around me, like, this just, this is my experience, it's all I know, but it's a good reminder, like, what's happening here is like a narrow window of time where we get to trust Jesus. You know, we get to hope. And because when, when I see Jesus in front of me, like, I don't have to hope anymore because he's there. You know, there's a promise. And um, Hebrews 11:35 talks about how there are, you know, people uh, who um, did not receive the promise. And it talks about, you know, you know people in the, in the New Testament, believers who, you know, were cast out of society, believers who were imprisoned and tortured and all these horrible things, but, and they, but they chose to remain in there because of, like, because of hope. And that they didn't receive the promise in that life. And that's like, like the writer of Hebrews, he was right about me. And he was right about you. Like there's something special that we have, there's a special um, engagement that we have with Jesus um, in the midst and like, so if I was to implore you, is in the heavy places, um, you know, art is a great way of like letting some of that stuff bubble up. And so it doesn't matter if you're terrible at art, you think you are, like let yourself go there, let yourself explore it and just see what bubbles up and then don't be afraid of it. Uh, don't be afraid of it, uh, just, just sit with it. And you'll see the, the questions will start to emerge. And then that's a place where Jesus can do some really powerful, powerful, powerful stuff in your heart. So... Okay, well, there are more questions and comments online that Josh will get to after the service. Thank you for everyone who participated in that. Josh, thank you so much for sharing your heart. You're it's always a joy, and uh, I'm sure that spoke to a lot of us here. Oh, I appreciate morning, that. So. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Yeah. You want to Okay. Are you sure you want to pray? You can pray. You want me to pray? Oh, I'll pray. All right, I'll close and pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for this time that we could have together as a church family and just um, hearing how you've been working in Josh's heart and just uh, stirring him to share that with us this morning. And thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you that you are a God who will never leave us, who is with us in the dark times, um, that you, you always hear. And although you don't always do and speak when and what we want, we have this hope in you that you are with us and will, will walk with us through, through everything. And so, Jesus, I just pray for all of us here that have those big emotions and feelings and circumstances that are, are difficult, that we would just be honest with you, mm -hmm. that we would take that, uh, that we wouldn't ignore it, that we wouldn't run from it, that we would just um, sit with you in it and allow you to speak whatever it is uh, you want to speak to us. Open our hearts, give us the, the courage, and, and maybe give us the courage to, to share that with somebody else, a close friend or um, somebody here that we can uh, come alongside with each other and walk in this journey together. So Jesus, thank you for our family, our church family. Thank you for your love. We pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. 
For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.